the other thing. Like, if you enjoy doing it, like, yeah. I, like I would enjoy doing this, like, just as much if it wasn't being recorded as a podcast. You know? <laughs> yeah. If you enjoy doing it, it's not work, you know, that whole yeah. thing. But then I think the thing Hello and welcome to episode 30 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is for marketing, the F is well you decide. As you're probably asking yourself, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I'm your host, Ian Truscott, founding editor of Rockstar CMO, your monthly dose of marketing street knowledge. You can find us at rockstarcmo.com or at Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. This episode was recorded on Friday, the 2nd of October. I hope you've had a good week. This week, I've got some nice feedback on this podcast. I really appreciate the messages, feedback, and I'm glad you're here. I hope you're staying as safe, well, and as sane as you feel you need to be. This week, I'm going to follow the same set list as last week. While I would encourage you to check out all the good stuff on rockstarcmo.com, I'm going to share something that is not on our website, but has been rattling around in my head for most of this week. In the interview section, I chat to Eric Fulweiler, former EMEA head of Vanna Media and now COO of the consultancy 11FS, and then retired to the virtual Rockstar CMO bar with my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose. Right, let's get started, shall we? As regular listeners know, I usually flick through the virtual page of rockstarcmo.com and share something from there. But again, I'm going to dip into my podcast library for this week's thought. I'm pretty sure that if you've stumbled across this little podcast, you will already be familiar with Joe Polizzi, founder of the Content Marketing Institute, author, speaker, and all-round content marketing legend. I've mentioned him a few times, and Robert and I referred to him a couple of episodes ago while chatting in the virtual bar, as they present a podcast together called This Old Marketing. Joe has a podcast on his own called Content Inc., which is also the name of one of his books. And every week he shares in 10 minutes or less his thoughts on marketing. I think he took a break for a couple of years, but he kicked it off again in March as we started lockdown. In the most recent episode, he talks about an old boss who apparently replied to just about everything that was shared with him that was intangible with hope is not a strategy. As Joe shares, if a sales guy said, if the market turns around a bit, we'll hit our numbers. His boss replied, hope is not a strategy. He also shares a whole bunch of less obvious examples and how it sharpened up his own planning and how he prepared for conversations with this particular boss. I know, right, it's not exactly got the hustle swagger of Gary V. It's something you've probably heard said a million times before. And you've heard it so much you don't really think about it. But it got me thinking. There is, of course, a positive side of hope, of being optimistic. From what little I understand of American football, and I have to be careful now because I don't really know Joe, so I could be crossing a line here. As a Cleveland Browns fan, Joe must lean heavily on hope and an optimism for his team. While it's good to be optimistic, perhaps as I've been running my own business for close to two years, and is often said we live in unprecedented, uncertain times, Joe got me thinking, and I thought I'd share that here. How we navigate through this cannot be based on hope. We need to plan based on what we know and what we can do about it. Professionally, we need to focus on what we do as marketers, that we focus on retention and growth. And as citizens, we take the action that sees us through this. 
There's actually a good article in the latest issue of Rockstar CMO that talks about how as marketers we need to double down by Ahmed Hassan, who I've talked to on this show before. It's called Don't Stop the Music, Change the Tune. But back to Joe. If you don't know already, and I'm sure you do, you should seek out his podcast. It's called Content Inc. And I'll include a link to it in the show notes. Right, on to the interview. Eric Fulweiler joined 11FS as CMO last spring and now oversees the group consulting business as well as marketing and sales as chief commercial officer. 11FS is a challenger consultancy that builds and launches next generation digital propositions for some of the biggest banks in the world. Before 11FS, Eric spent 10 years in digital advertising agencies and was most recently the European Managing Director for Vanna Media. He is a frequent industry speaker and contributor on modern day marketing, brand strategy and digital media. Eric has also worked on and advised numerous startups in the US and UK and has a background in non-profit work. He recently joined the board for a charity that supports refugees' employment opportunities in the UK. Fascinating guy. I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope you do too. Hi, Eric. Thanks for joining me on Rockstar CMO FM. How are you? I am good. Thank you so much for having me. No, you're very welcome. And um, obviously, uh, before I hit record and uh, in the show, I would have introduced the, the listeners to a little bit about your bio, but you tell us about yourself in your own words. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I guess maybe start at the beginning. So uh, <laughs> I'm American. I'm from Boston uh, in the US. I've been over here in London for almost five years now. And I guess you could say like, I kind of fell into marketing or like it chose me instead of I chose it, or it chose me at the beginning and then I chose to stick with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually, a lot of people don't know this about me. I actually started, uh, in the music world. So I went to university to be a professional musician mm-hmm. up in Montreal, Canada. So completely, you know, a different spectrum. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, I decided after a few years of doing that, I didn't want to try to be a professional musician <laughs> and, um, you know, wanted to, uh, I was really focused on the nonprofit kind of world and trying mm-hmm. to, to have a positive impact. And so I went and spent a year working for the Clinton foundation, uh, in Latin America on HIV AIDS initiatives. And it was only after that, you know, I was based in New York. I was looking to kind of get into business and private sector and, um, mm-hmm. ended up sitting down with the CEO of Forbes.com who at that point, this was 2008, maybe was Mm -hmm. like, Hey, we need somebody to figure out this social media thing. And, you know, I was young and therefore I guess knew social media, although my secret was, I really didn't. um, (laughs) I spent a year there really just teaching myself like early web Mm 2.0 community, um, Mm -hmm. you know, meetups and blogs and Twitter Mm -hmm. chats and all that good stuff back then kind of learning that world. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and through that world, I got connected with, um, Gary Vaynerchuk and um, kind of developed a good relationship and ended up going to work for him when he started VaynerMedia. Mm-hmm. And so I was one of the first 15 employees there, helped to scale that. And that kind of brought me on this agency track mm-hmm. that I was on for almost 10 years, uh, brought me to London to open the London office and EU headquarters for VaynerMedia. Mm-hmm. And then about a year and a half ago, um, I jumped over to the fintech world. Um, yeah. So I've been at 11FS since then. Uh, started as CMO and my role expanded about six months in to be what is now chief commercial officer. So I still oversee 
marketing, uh, mm-hmm. but also a role in sales and then running our consulting business in a GM capacity. So that's mm-hmm. a relatively long uh, no, backstory for you, that, but that's me. That's really- that's really interesting because the the funny thing is is I know with our name Rockstar CMO so maybe we just attract these people but, <laughs> the so, musicians yeah yeah ma- many many of the people I talked to started their careers as as musicians and ha- or ha- or promoting bands or being involved with bands so there's definitely a musical thread going on here at Rockstar so that's that's really cool um, and then um, so you're at Eleven FS what what do you guys do so you mentioned you specialize in fintech really hot space at the moment um, what what do you guys do at your agency yeah so. The- the best way to understand us, because uh, mm-hmm. for those you know different people, if you're in the world of fintech and financial service, you might have heard of us. Um, but we do a bunch of different things, so people get in touch with us in different ways. But mm-hmm. the best way to understand what we do is we are trying to build um, a modern day machine for building next generation financial services. Mm-hmm. And so there's three areas that we focus on to do that. One is um, the services side of the business, so that's consulting essentially, mm-hmm. but it's um, executional consulting in the sense that we will come in and actually build a bank or build an insurance proposition for, for clients. Um, and then we have our product, uh, sector that, uh, has a couple products underneath it that are all focused on, you know, uh, providing technology that helps other companies do the same thing, build digital propositions. And then there's also the content, arm, which I oversee in part of my CCO capacity. That's mm-hmm. all about helping to teach people and help them learn about the world of, of digital financial services. Right. Cool. And where did the name come from? And presumably the FS is financial services, but what, where's the 11? You know, one more than 10. Well, technically it can't be that because of, you know, that, that comes from a very specific movie, which we're definitely not copying. Um, but it's, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, everybody always is like, you know, what's the story? What's the rationale? Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like, obviously I wasn't there, but mm-hmm. you know, it's like 11 is one more than 10 and it just kind of <laughs> stuck. It's also funny little hack. Yeah. It's kind of like in the old days when people would put an A in front of their name to be first mm-hmm. in the phone book. If mm-hmm. you have a number in front of your name, you're usually <laughs> first in like the conference or event directory. So that's played out pretty well for us. We've been right above Accenture a couple of times, which is a nice placement. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Um, and, um, you know, financial services, uh, I guess, has been quite resilient through through the pandemic. And I have to ask, you know, everybody about this because it's really interesting to, to our listeners. But how has the pandemic affected you, your agency and how you guys are working? And then how has it affected the way your customers are working? What are you seeing around in, in your world? Yeah, I mean... I think we've all kind of run out of adjectives at this point Mm -hmm. to describe this year. But Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing for me is like everything in perspective. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. sure, you know, it's been tough on some fronts for us as a business, you know, me working from home with three kids and things like that. But like, (laughs) you know, I've got a job. My family's happy and healthy. The business Mm -hmm. is actually going to grow this year. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of challenges in the world. And I feel like, you know, we're in a, we're in a, I feel very grateful for the position that we're in and that I'm in Mm. personally. Mm. Um, I think more specifically, you know, we, I think again, we're lucky, like we can do everything that we do remotely. So Mm -hmm. we didn't skip a beat. And I would say that the company really rallied around the challenge and the opportunity of these Mm -hmm. last six months in terms of the pivot to remote working. And we're a very, I think a lot of companies say this, but you know, Mm -hmm. it's very different how it plays out on the inside, but we're a very people and culture focused organization. So Mm -hmm. we did a lot of work at the beginning to understand not just how the 
you know, the technical communication needs to work between yeah. teams, but how do you maintain a culture? How do you maybe even build a stronger culture when you're working yeah. remotely? Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you know, I think the biggest, uh, the biggest issue for a lot of businesses is just the lack of certainty, you know, mm. so like we had no idea what was going to happen in March True. and April in the world, much less our industry. But I think, we've had to be more conservative because of that. And this was our, this is our fourth year of operation. So we were really mm -hmm. scaling up to mm -hmm. get to that next level. So we got, you know, got a little bit caught with having some investments ahead of the curve and then COVID providing that uncertainty and definitely slowing things down in terms of our pipeline and mm -hmm. pressure on pricing from clients. And, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of, um, a lot of financial service institutions, just with what's happened in, in the economy and how people are spending or not spending money and the demand for those services have had to slow things down and play a lot more defense. But I would say on the, on the macro level in the macro cycle, it's probably a good thing for a business in our position, because if we're all about how do you take traditional analog or even like call it V1 digital financial services mm -hmm. and make it truly digital, mm -hmm. like, what is the future of that space? Mm -hmm. A lot of companies are realizing that COVID has actually accelerated the transition to digital that was probably going to happen in the next mm -hmm. 10 years anyway, except now it's happening in the next two. So they actually need more help and faster to go figure yeah. that out. So like I said, we are going to grow this year, but it has been tough and, and we have had to kind of cut some costs and we've had yeah. salary sacrifice and had to let some great people go, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Um, but with those core course corrections, just to ensure like every yeah. startup is doing right now that, that we have the runway to kind of get through this period of uncertainty and hopefully get back to growth. Yeah. Hopefully in the long term, you know, I think the market is actually growing for us. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really interesting. And also you read a lot of that, a lot about that, about the acceleration of digital transformation. It's good to hear somebody who's actually on the front line of it, seeing that happening. So has it changed the services and stuff that you provide uh, your clients are you seeing a different appetite for this now that that people are really pulling you into that conversation i'm i'm not sure that it's that different mm -hmm. um you know there's some like very small specific differences like for example we've been talking to a client who wants to launch a um you know a proposition a banking proposition for students in university yeah. on campuses that's, yeah. you know, not yeah. as much reality <laughs> this year. So we're talking, yeah. you know, how do you pivot that and how do you adapt mm -hmm. it? But yeah. overall, again, like I'd go back to what I said, I think it's more of an acceleration of the things that were going to happen anyway, mm -hmm. rather than like new or different demands right. being right. generated. Right. And um, you mentioned there about startups and the journey that you've, you've gone on with 11FS, but um, looking at your background and your, your, um, on your LinkedIn, um, you have a lot of experience with startups. And I noticed also that 11FS have been recognized as a top startup on LinkedIn. So congratulations for that. Um, and you've advised a lot of companies, a lot of startups, and you, and you actually, you're quite generous on LinkedIn and you share a lot of advice. What advice do you give to marketers specifically inside startups? That's, uh, you know, the role that you've had. Where, do you think there's a different focus for marketers? What, what, what do you think they need to do within start within startups specifically? Yeah, yeah. If you're a marketer and you're considering joining a startup or you're you're in a startup, what are the, what are the what are the primary things you think uh, a marketer needs to focus on? So, you know, obviously it depends on the business and the industry and the team and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. But I think if I if I was going to make a general statement that's hopefully helpful for most people out there. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that I would pick on is I feel like many times 
marketing, particularly in the last, like, I don't know. I feel like we're in a little bit of a trend, Mm -hmm. uh, where marketing has ended up being a little bit more siloed Mm -hmm. and you end up doing marketing because you feel like you need to do marketing. Well, uh, let me see. I'm not really explaining this well. Let me come at it from the different angle. I think that marketing needs to be much more oriented and more integrated with the core business functions. Yeah. Because to me, the role of marketing is to drive growth of the organization. Absolutely. And so you need to be working backwards from, you know, what are the plans for the business? What are the competitive advantages? How is product development happening? How are the sales yeah, team yeah. structured and going to market? And I think that marketing in many organizations ends up being a little bit too siloed where it's like, okay, we've right. got our marketing plan and we're going to execute our marketing plan. But marketing yeah. is not an end in itself. It is yeah. a means to an end, right? So for yeah. us... Um, and I think this could apply to any business, but Mm. I think sometimes in like mid or later stage startups, like maybe they've had more of a product or technical founding team and like they go bring on like a, you know, a more senior marketer and they come Mm -hmm. in and try to just like execute a marketing plan. You need to work backwards from the business and you need Mm -hmm. to be, you know, one of the things that I think, uh, that, uh, I don't know if it makes me different, but that I really hold on to as a marketer is Mm -hmm. I think I'm much more of like a general manager operator who just happens to have some experience in marketing Mm -hmm. than I am kind of like a marketer. It's part of Mm -hmm. why I left the ad agency world is, you know, I actually, I loved what I did, but Mm I, I didn't really care that much about the ads. What I cared about was like, is it driving growth of the business? How do we we work with these client and agency and, and uh, teams to deliver the best output and like, you know, what's actually happening to the bottom line. Um, So I guess that's what I would say is like, if you're a marketer in a startup, make sure that you really understand to the level of the GM or the MD or even the CEO, like mm-hmm. what are the mechanics of the business that make it work or not work? What is the product life cycle and where are the opportunities or risks? Like get as close as possible and mm-hmm. as aligned as possible to the actual core operations of the business. Cause that will make you much more effective at what your job is actually for, which is moving those metrics, not your own. Yeah. I mean that, you're pushing my buttons there, mate, with that. That's, that's I, I love that. And I also agree with you. I think it applies to anybody. I mean, in my day job, my consulting job, I always refer to um, the job of marketers is to create awareness, revenue, and trust. And if you can create those metrics that the sweet, C-suite understands, you're relevant to the business. You're not just the marketer on the hamster wheel with the, with the crayons, you know what I mean, making sure you've got a website that's running. You're actually a fundamental part of the growth of the business. Yeah. And I I would even take it one step further. I totally agree with that. But brand revenue and trust are a means to an end of exactly. realizing the vision of the company. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So Absolutely. yeah, we're totally saying the same thing. But yeah. I think that's um I think that's so important, particularly in a startup. Yeah. Because you actually I think it's it's easier to have an impact because you're usually smaller scale and you don't have like those silos built already. Yeah. So you can do it right from the beginning. Yeah. Um but I, I put something out recently that got you know, got a good response from mm-hmm. people, which was like if you are a marketer starting out now yeah. who wants to be in a CMO role in twenty years, yeah, I would not recommend that you only do marketing. Go mm-hmm. get role, go get experience as a product manager, go get experience as a salesperson, like go mm-hmm. learn from the inside out those mm-hmm. other areas of the business. Because if you have that perspective, you're going to be so much better at integrating with them when mm-hmm. you are at that most senior position. And I think that's mm-hmm. what businesses are going to be looking for in the future, but the smart businesses are looking for that now. 
Mm, that's uh, that, that also really good advice. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I also, um, uh, I also, I'm aware that you also run your own podcast as well, and so we are fellow podcasters. And I was listening to that um, just this morning. Um, tell us about that and how you're enjoying being a podcast host. Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, the the reason it came up is I was like. I just want to go talk to smart people and yeah. like, I would be like, anyway, <laughs> even if yeah, like, yeah, why yeah. not just press record? And then maybe yeah, there's some people out there that will find it interesting too. But like, yeah, yeah I mean, I'm so lucky being at 11 FS. We have a fantastic media team mm-hmm. and it's, you know, it's part of marketing, but it's literally, it's like a mini media company about financial wow. services. So we have audio yeah. engineered video videographers, event producers, mm-hmm. it's now all digital. Um, so I was like, Hey, if I can get some interesting kind of senior marketers in the industry to come talk to me, can you record it and put it out there? Um, and so, yeah, that's the FinTech marketing podcast. We've only done one season, uh, yeah. but I'd love to do another one. And, um, it's just great. It's just like this. It's just like a conversation. Yeah. Cause I, yeah. I really believe that like, I don't know. I think that creating, I think this type of thing is like, if you just produce good content, mm-hmm. you'll find an audience. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think oftentimes people maybe overthink, you know, what's the topic of the podcast or the, it's like, just, just get good people on and have good conversations yeah. and like, it'll find an audience if it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I also think people get a bit obsessed with trying to create a large audience and then they get discouraged when they don't. Whereas you can you can just have a, a bunch of people that are interested in this. It's not that hard to produce these things, is it? And, and just create a great community around something. That's what I'm finding yeah. anyway. And so I think I think that's fun. And that's the other thing. Like if you enjoy doing it, like yeah. I like I would enjoy doing this like just as much if it wasn't being recorded as a podcast. You know? <laughs> yeah. If you enjoy doing it, it's not work. You know that whole yeah. cliche. But then yeah. I think the thing that people miss the most when it comes to whether it's building their own brand or building their business brand in their role is like you got to have patience if you yeah. want to play the content game right. Yeah. So, you know, just yeah. eventually it'll get there, but you know, yeah. you definitely need to build it like piece yeah. by piece, day by day, yeah. year by year. Yeah. Are you a big podcast listener yourself? I am. I do a lot of audio books. Yeah. Um, so I kind of go back and forth of like, I'll work through a bunch of audio books once I've built up mm-hmm. a list and then I'll go back and, and catch up on yeah. podcasts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just try to, create as much found time i'm using air quotes for people that aren't aren't watching but you know it's like that time when like you don't you're not using your brains but you're doing Mm -hmm. something else so you can be listening so like Mm. you know working out or walking or you just trying to maximize that as much as possible yeah same here i'm a podcast always accompany on my walk or when i'm cooking i have it in the kitchen and stuff like that yeah absolutely right uh well this has been a pleasure eric i've got one more question for you um on Rockstar CMO, we have a special feature uh, called the Rockstar CMO Swimming Pool, where we chuck all the bullshit, snake oil, and, you know, the stuff we don't really like about the industry that we love. What would you nominate for us to chuck in there? Uh, I, I think what I was talking about earlier definitely mm-hmm. counts, like marketing for the sake of marketing. <laughs> yeah. You know, the it's like... Wheel. I call yeah. it the hamster wheel. <laughs> it's marketing for the sake of marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's also, you know, I think oftentimes... Uh, you know, the people in the industry, we love to kind of like pontificate on what brands are doing well and like what marketing is good or not mm-hmm. good. It's like, you don't really know, like mm-hmm. it, you can have your opinion on it, but what matters is the business metrics that it's actually driving. And unless you're on the inside yeah. of that company, you don't know yeah. if it's good or not. It could be no. your, uh, by your opinion, the worst piece of creative ever, 
but it drove tremendous success for the business. So it's like, we're not in the business of marketing. We're in the business of business. Yeah. So there needs to be more grounding in those conversations, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, no, I like it. And we can get a bit inside baseball with some of this stuff, can't you? You see a lot of commentary about campaigns and whether something was good or bad. And it's actually just a load of marketers talking about it. The consumer doesn't care about that conversation. They just, did they buy more product or didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I like that. I like that. So that's really fun. Thank you very much, Eric. And if um, you mentioned a couple of things there, so where can people find your podcast? Uh, just search for fintech marketing podcast. If you need yeah. to put eleven fs in there, that's one one fs. Yeah. Uh, but it should pop up on Spotify or um, Apple yeah. Podcasts or wherever you listen to. Yeah, I found it quite easily. Uh, the um, you also mentioned about um, publishing articles. Is that mainly on LinkedIn? Where do you, where do you publish that stuff? Yeah, my personal stuff goes out on LinkedIn. Um, mm-hmm. Try to put something out every day, so you can just search. Okay. Eric Fulweiler on LinkedIn. Um, connect with me there, or my email is Eric E R I C at eleven fs dot com. Splendid, an email address as well. So, and uh, and and do you tweet or anything like that? It was funny. I, I do. I've had one for. I've had a Twitter account for so long, but yeah. I've just. I'm finding so little value from it these days. Yeah, yeah. And I think part of that is like I need to cultivate my following yeah. you know who yeah. i follow a little bit to get yeah. a better feed but um yeah yeah uh, I, i've done that yeah i've done that. I've, I've created a check daily list and sort of filter out some of the you know because sometimes you want to dip into the stream and sometimes you know you just want to hear from the people you want to hear from yeah. right so I, i've started to use lists i wish linkedin had lists i really like the list function yeah. but sure so people can there. find you on twitter what, what's your handle on twitter? Uh, at e Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Eric. Thanks for your time. I know you're a very busy man, so I appreciate your time this morning. And um, I'll speak to you very soon. Great. This was really fun. Thanks, Ian. Cheers, Eric. Bye-bye. Thank you, Eric. I will, of course, include all the links to him and his agency and the things we refer to in the show notes. I really enjoyed chatting to Eric. Right. It's Friday evening here at the Rockstar CMO Penthouse in London. I'm about to call it a day and ease my way into the weekend with a trip to the Rockstar CMO virtual bar and join my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rouse. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend. It's, uh, well, fancy meeting you here in the bar. Um, I know. Seems that's a common occurrence these days. Um, I, I was one just of these days we're actually the going to get to a real bar. <laughs> oh, we will. We will. And uh, I, yes, and then there'll be links to that in the show notes for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll get pictures and uh, yeah. all those kinds of things as well. So. Absolutely. Um, did I see that you got to uh, you got to London recently? You actually got to get out and actually see I like did. real life cities and stuff. I, I I did. I was quite I was quite astonished. It was my f- first time. So when are we going to lockdown in March? So and then um, what is that, mate? S- six months, uh, yeah. and I hadn't. And it was um, it was very surreal and and very nice. Um, I'm I'm a Londoner. So I was born I was born in London. Uh, so even though I live outside London near Oxford, 
And、um, I can't remember a time when I haven't traveled to London, apart from, of course, when I lived in the US.、Um, and then it was, I can't remember a time when I didn't get on an airplane.、Um, so this last six months has been really strange. And、um, so, yeah, yeah. So I got to, got to London. What about yourself? How are you doing? You know, we're still here,、um, mm-hmm. mostly staying at home. And,、um, yeah. you know, getting out to the beach when we can. And, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, it's,、um, mm-hmm. we're now at the, at the,、uh, at the place where we want, you know, it's, everybody's going a little stir crazy, I would say.、Mm-hmm. Um, you know,、yeah. it's nice that we've got some sports on TV and,、um, mm-hmm. and there's a little bit of normalcy around at least eating outside at restaurants and whatnot. But、yeah. it, it, it becomes one of those things where it, it's such a to do. That、yeah. you do it rarely, right? You know, sort of、yeah. you know, going out, you know, it's like going out to eat. I'm going to put on、yeah. jeans. I'm going to actually wear shoes. I'm going to, you know, gonna, <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. it becomes like such、yeah. a, a, a thing that it becomes、yeah. like a special occasion when you're, you know, going to go out for lunch and、yeah. eat on a patio or something. Yeah. So, yeah, you're not doing yeah. it a lot. And, and that's, you know, it's frustrating. Yeah. I think I've worn shoes twice in the last seven months. <laughs> yeah. So, exactly. Yeah, I mean, right.、Yeah. I put on a pair of jeans and I was like, Huh, these don't fit like they used to. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, unfortunately, we,、uh, I don't know when we're going to be allowed to meet each other in, in, a, in a real bar, but here in, here in our little virtual bar, what are we drinking this evening? We are drinking now、um, something that is, this isn't my name for it. This is a name that it was, uh, uh, I discovered this、uh, drink at a bar, actually at a real bar,、um, and it's called the Pink Julep. Um, and it's bourbon,、um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sort of any bourbon, I suppose, would do cranberry、mm-hmm. juice,、um, raspberry, lime, and、mm-hmm. then, of course, because it's a julep, it's got mint.、Um, nice. And、uh, it is just a lovely, lovely drink. And the nice, cranberry juice、nice. and everything in the raspberry, which mixes with the bourbon, of course, makes it,、yeah. it's, it's, it's a, it, it,、yeah. it gets to a, a, a brilliant pink color. Oh, nice. I, 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 I do like a bourbon. And,、um, but, uh, what, and, and I know you're a big tequila fan. Regular listeners will be aware of this.、Um, but what's, what's, your tip, what's your tip for a good bourbon? What, what do you like? Well, you know, so my,、uh, my, my American.、Uh, You know, Ness will sort of shine through here. <laughs> Ness. But,、uh, <laughs> yeah. Like,、um, <laughs> you know, I am a fan of、uh, a good Tennessee bourbon here.、Um, nice. And so there is actually、nice. a few bourbons that I really, really like.、Um, but,、um, but all of them, you know, I mean, are going to sort of emerge from that Kentucky、um, sort of, you know,、nice. Appalachia. Area, so yeah, it's um, there's a there's a、yeah. there's a, a ironically、uh, named Four Roses, um, to uh, a bourbon that I just absolutely adore, yeah, nice, nice. Well, um, having having professed that I do like bourbon, I'm going to have a look and see what I have in my desktop bar this evening, um,、mm. and I have Hendrix Gin. <laughs> Splendid. There it is. So, That's、um, as close to bourbon as not. But it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, well, it's、uh, alcoholic, I think. So I'll just it is. It does have alcohol. Yeah. It、Did、is distilled. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's only served to people here over 18. So you know, it's got a lot in common with bourbon. <laughs> That, <laughs> Did you put、true. ice in it? 
I, there was ice in this drink. Yes, absolutely. Splendid. And uh, what was what did you mix it with? Bitters. Uh, that you've got the, no, you've it? got cranberry. No bitters. It's just a simple cranberry, cranberry? juice oh. and and little lime and some mint. Yeah. Yeah, I think because I reached for the bourbon, the uh, the bitters just came naturally because I'm thinking of an old fashioned. So yes, so uh, let's see what I've got. If I've got any of those things, cranberry juice. Uh, I have tonic. So let me ah, just yes. stick a, a, that, a little slug. That will that will supplant your need for mm-hmm. cranberry juice. I'm guessing. Uh, probably, I think cranberry juice has got some um, medicinal qualities, much the same as tonic. I think. So let's have a taste of this. Oh, that's very nice, Robert. Very mm. nice. I could drink these every week. What did you call it again? <laughs> uh, that was called the pink julep. Pink julep. Very nice. And I can imagine yeah. us... Um, it was actually a drink introduced to me in a bar in New York. So Nice. Nice. We've actually drank in a bar in New York together. I think it's one of the, so that's uh, we that's, did. A, that's a good we memory. Did. A I think we were ago we drank in a bar in New York together. Yeah. Yeah, I think we were drinking um, vespers or some sort of martini. I think I'm but, sure. I remember, yeah, <laughs> that I think, would not surprise me. Yes, I don't think I could see properly after after a while. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> what um, and whereabouts are we? Are we in that same bar or, or, or where are we drinking these? No, you know where I, you know, I, I, and this is normally the time of year um, that I would be headed there. Um, have you ever been to Seoul, Korea? No, I have not. It it's a brilliant city. Um, yeah, uh, one of my favorites, um, and specifically for the food. Um, and one of my favorite things to do there is so the hotels there you can stay in a very very nice hotel for relatively reasonable prices and so you know i like to stay at really nice hotels while i'm there because it's just you know the food is wonderful and it's the hospitality is genius and all of that um and so we would sit in this hotel bar which would be gorgeous um but we would be having just a couple of drinks because we wouldn't be eating there. What we would be getting ready to do is go to one of the open markets. And All right. I was introduced to this by some friends of mine who live there in Seoul. Yeah. And the idea is, is that you go food stall hopping. In other words, nice. you, you go sit in a food stall um, and you get yeah. some noodles and you have some noodles and then you get up and you move and you go to a, a you know, a, a, a skewer place where you have, um, yeah. kebabs, right? You know, yeah. and then you move on yeah. and you go have beers and some salad. And then you move on. To, it, you just basically move through this open, this beautifully big, wow. you know, boisterous open market. And you just yeah. go from food stall to food stall until you're just full. And it's just the most amazing perfect. experience. Yeah, sounds perfect. Um, well, yes. I mean, that, I, I, I can't, I can't compare that. And, and um, I can't imagine us wandering around that beautiful market talking about anything other than food and drink but <laughs> if we were to um, stray into the topic of this podcast and, and talk about marketing what would be our thought for this week well i think it it, it it all comes down to an interesting thing which i've been spending a lot of time this year um mm-hmm. uh thinking about and talking about which is this uh idea of trust um and mm-hmm. Here's a, here, here's something interesting that what got me onto this topic was so 
you ever get a text message and the text message comes from somebody you know, but maybe not, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, your wife or, or somebody like that. Um, yeah. And the, the yeah. text message comes across and it says, would you do me a favor? And then, you know, like dot, dot, dot. Right. <laughs> and then you're waiting. Right. Yes. And there's no, there's no dots. Yes. There's no blinking dots. You're just waiting. It's getting this weird, awkward sort of pause. Yeah. Because they're yeah. waiting for you to say, yeah. yes, of course, I'll do you a favor. And what you're waiting for is what? Yeah. You want to know what the favor is before you say yeah. yes to it. Yeah. Um, are, now, are there are people, of course. Do the- yeah. <laughs> you know, there are people that you'll <laughs> immediately say yes to, right? You know, your wife yes. being one of them, right? Yeah. You know, in other words, yes. I don't know about you, but there's, you know, I, there, yeah. I can be here in my office. And, and if my name is said in a certain tone. I, I know the answer is yes. Whatever it is, I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, those requests some. don't usually start with "Would you do me a favor?" I must be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's just your name. Like it's, it's just it's just yeah. your name in a certain tone. Yeah. Is like, I'm. You're getting yeah. up and you're going to go do whatever it is that was being asked. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. There's yeah. no question. The hell with this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but then, so. Then the idea is, is that, but there are people who you don't have that sort of tacit agreement with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, and so it got me thinking about gated content and, and, and yeah. especially in B2B, the way that we treat the relationship with visitors to our content. Um, yeah. And one of the things that I've been doing recently is asking marketers, um, you know, on that landing page, for that white paper or for that article or for that ROI calculator or that case study or whatever it is mm-hmm. you're asking for data mm-hmm. instead of the clever headline of the white paper and the clever sort of abstract that you're using to tease out what they're going to get in exchange for yeah. that data. Yeah. I say, I want you to replace that. I want you to just read it. And instead of saying, download this white paper, I want you to say, do me a favor. Would you do me a mm-hmm. favor? Yeah. And does it change anything? And Mm -hmm. by the way, or if you were to replace the abstract, that clever abstract you wrote with the following, right? So if you said something like, would you do me a favor? And the abstract said, you're going to give us some data and then we're going to deliver this thought leadership paper to you. And more or less talks about why our approach to this business challenge is the good one. And then following that registration, you're going to get at least three phone calls from three different sales guys (laughs) who are going to want to congratulate you on your downloading of the white paper. And they're also going to ask about your current status and your pain points and your buying journey. And if you respond to any of that, you know, you're going to get pestered by phone for the validation of your purchase power authority and if there are others on your team that we should be speaking with, by the way, if you unsubscribe like physically to any of this, your email will become invalid, but you're still going to continue to get our sales newsletter from time to time, which is going to continue to tease you about other products that you should actually buy. Or you could just yeah. buy our product and stop the full process immediately. So <laughs> the, the ultimate unsubscribe. <laughs> right. And so. You know, but and and it's ridiculous, right? But think about it for a second. Thinking that's like the pinnacle of us saying yes, we'll do the favor, right? That's the pinnacle of hearing our name in that particular tone. Because if if anybody actually filled that form out after reading that, think about how qualified that lead is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, and so but also, but um, that's establishing trust up front, right? So how? 
how can we sort of slide back from that extreme into, you know, establishing trust up front and giving value away before we ask for value. And that's, that's what, what I think about when I think about, you know, gating content and why we gate content. It's really just the ultimate question of why are you gating it? You know, what is it you're expecting, right? What kind of favor are you expecting them to do for you? Yeah, yeah, I love that. And um, what I, what I also what I love about it as well is that if if you did it well, it may actually um, go some way to building trust because it might be that um, somebody doesn't want to fill in the form because uh, they don't know what's going to happen next and they assume the worst and they assume that three inside salespeople are going to not be able to pronounce their name properly, understand what their company does when they try and flog them or something, and then they're going to get e- email for the rest of their lives. But actually, if you're, a, if you're a decent human being, it might be that you can express something that you'll, you'll really do, you know, how, how it's really going to go. Um, I wonder if there's that opportunity there with that. Yeah, that's the idea, right? Is, is that yeah. you, have two, you have two levers that you can pull. Yeah. You know, which is you can be more honest about what's really going to happen or you can change yeah. what's going to happen. And, yes. and you know yeah. what I mean? And so th- yeah. that the, 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 the interesting thing is, is that we often can't change what's going to happen because, yeah. you know, the way that, you know, it's beyond our pay grade to say, well, no, I mean, if they fill out this form, it's going to sales, right? It is yeah. considered an MQL and then it's going yeah. to, you know, which always yeah. fascinates me. The fact that we, we put a gated white paper up and that qualifies as an MQL. Yeah. Really? Does it? Yeah. No. Um, but, I, but, the, we, but the, I, you know, I mean, yeah. it gets me off on a rant about MQLs and SQLs yeah. and why that's bullshit yeah. anyway. But, but yeah. the, 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 but the real thing is what is it that's going to happen? And if you can change yeah. that, right. And instead yeah. of saying, Hey, listen, you know, you're going to, you're going to get pestered by sales guys. If we can change yeah. it to say, no, 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 what you're signing up for here is more wonderful education and thought leadership. Or, yeah. no, what you're signing up for here is for a sales guy to call you and talk to you about your problem. Yeah. You, what you're doing is you're trusting first, right? You're saying, I'm telling you what's going to happen. Here's the favor I want from you. And yeah. if, you're, if you're game for that, then let's talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think that... Um, I, I, I love this, and, and I mean, in a small way, um, with Rockstar CMO, um, we send our newsletter once a month, and I say, or we say, we, it's a month. We'll send it once a month. And I remember in the early days uh, working with uh, a marketer that was that was helping me on it, and she and she was saying, right, we should send something now to the people that have opened it, and then send something next week. To the, I'm like, you don't understand. My promise is that we send something once a month. I don't want to send anything to anybody apart from this once a month. And that might be bad newsletter practice, and I'm sure that people have got an opinion on this. But because I made that commitment, I wasn't going to change that. So yeah, I it, don't know it, if that's good or not. No, no, no. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's exactly right. It's, you know, yeah. it's, it, I get this question a lot about pop-ups, right? Yeah. Which is, you know, should we do pop-ups on our website, you know, that, yeah. that um, you know, that ask you to subscribe to a newsletter or do those kinds yeah. of things. And, I, and, and the way I answer that is, you know, I would never do pop-ups and they absolutely mm-hmm. work. Yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, and, and yeah. that's true. I mean, they do, they absolutely yeah. increase your conversion rate and I would never, do, I, I don't want to do them. I, I would never do them because when I see the increased conversion rate, what I see is, people who are mildly interested and they want to make the pop-up go away. So they, 
They, mm-hmm. they, they subscribe, mm-hmm. you know, without even thinking mm-hmm. it's an impulse buy. And I don't want impulse mm-hmm. buys to my newsletter. I want them to nah. want it and think yeah. about it and, and almost have to go find where to subscribe. Yeah. Then, yeah. When, then what I know is, is that I'm getting good emotional data, right? I'm getting good. Yeah. I'm getting people who want to hear from me, not just to make things yeah. go away, but they've gone out of their way to say what I'm delivering is valuable to them and they're going to find where yeah. they can get more. Yeah, I, I had the um, I had an experience of this uh, my last CMO gig where um, we paid a, a significant amount of money to relicense. I think it was a Gartner report or a Forrester report, like you do when you're in B two B marketing. As one does, uh, as one does, yes. Uh, and then um, you get a lot of garbage come through, a lot of Gmail addresses and everything like this. And I was going through that process a few years ago where I was thinking, I don't want to gate things anymore, and trying to change the mindset that we've paid a lot of money for this but you're gonna ungate it and i'm like absolutely because we're getting people that are coming on the site that are interested in the gartner report they're not interested in us right so if we're gonna go if we're gonna make something available that's of high value um if if they want as many people that can read this as possible yeah, exactly. And if they exactly, and um, why do I need their Gmail address? It, they, they, I might as well not bother. So, or or a fake Gmail address, probably what it really is. Um, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, so why not? You know, so so why not be be more open and be more free about this stuff? Because, like you say, if people are genuinely engaged with you, they will engage with you. That's right. But it it's takes. The, you know, I often you know ask. You know, with that exact example, it's like, what if we put the call to action to subscribe to more of this on the last page of the of of the paper? Because anybody who got to the last page theoretically read it, got to the end and went, that was valuable. Hmm. I I want more of that. Now, when they sign up, the intention behind that, the would you do me a favor is different. Right. It's a different intention. It's a different emotion of why they're signing up. And would you rather have 10,000 people who just did it to get the asset and don't care? Or would you rather have a thousand people who signed up in the latter? 10% of them signed up in the the latter way, but are eager, Mm -hmm. wanting your stuff, Mm -hmm. eager to share it, eager to to, to consume it, eager to to share it with their boss. You know, all those things that come along with basically going out of their way mm. to get more of what it is you do. Now, yeah. Uh, yeah. having said that, mm-hmm. there is a value to gating content too, right? There is, mm-hmm. you know, I can make an argument that says, hey, if this this Gartner thing is fresh and hot off the press, um, yeah. you know, and we're adding value by adding a white paper to it or adding a perspective to it or yeah. you know, whatever, it, whatever this yeah. package is we're creating, and it's hot yeah. off the press. Yeah, we're going to ask for yeah. your email address because later we want to invite you to a webinar that's going to go through yeah. this. And we want you to register for this webinar at the same time you're getting this yeah. hot off the presses thing, yeah. right? It, yeah. If I can make a logical reason why I need your information, um, mm-hmm. then gating content makes all the sense in the world to me. Do me a favor. Mm-hmm. Give me your information now because... You're going to forget mm-hmm. later, and we're going to remind you that there's this wonderful webinar yeah. that we want to invite you to. And so, yeah, I'm asking yeah. for your information up front before you get this thing so that you don't forget, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and all of that kind of thing. So, but it, 
But it is that fair exchange of value, isn't it? In that, right. in that if you're, you know, if 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 they're not interested in you, they're going to give you a rubbish email address anyway. If they if they are interested in you, they're going to give you their real email address. So it's finding that offer that's worth it to them that they don't mind that somebody's going to be in touch with them. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, and mm-hmm. and the and the 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 worst is when they give you a real email, but they just never respond. And yeah. now you've wasted your shot, right? You know, to use the Hamilton yes. line, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. I'm not giving away my shot. You know, you basically, yeah. they've given you an email. So you're never going to get that again, no. you know? And so you don't get any more intention information from that mm-hmm. person. All you've, you've, you've managed to score their email address, but now they're mm-hmm. inclined quite frankly, and incentivized to never give it to you again. Mm-hmm. And so you don't know. You have you have zero insight into their mindset, and so mm. they just sit there dormant. And so yeah. now the, the the question is: Well, okay, we can fix that, right? We can start fixing that by sending those people emails to say, "Hey, listen, yeah. we're going to delete you from our database if you don't respond," and or we can, yeah, you yeah. know, we're trying to get people to subscribe to this webinar thing and blah blah blah. You know, you can yeah. nurture them yeah. through other content experiences. But ultimately, without doing that, they just mm. sit like fallow in a marketing database somewhere, never to be touched again. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you have to go find someone else. Mm. Now, that's I, I, that, that's an interesting point. I don't think p- enough people think about that. In that, in that, the moment somebody fills out that form, is 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 a shot, is the one shot, and 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 you better you better make it count. That's right. It's the yeah, you know, as I've said to many a B two B marketer, the absolute mm-hmm. worst time to try and sell somebody is when yeah. they've signed up for your white paper or the you know is immediately following yeah. the sign up for a white paper or some gated asset. It's the absolute worst time because yeah. why? Why is that the worst time? Because there you haven't set that expectation. They probably yeah. have it given other things, other transactions that they've had before. So their defenses yeah. are as high as they're going to be. Yes. And, and they've just downloaded this thing on the hope that they're going to learn about some new concept in peace. And they're going to be able to learn about what yeah. they're trying to do and get, you know, build a business yeah. case or, you know, for change or whatever it is. And you're mm-hmm. immediately meeting their expectation of having a sales guy immediately follow up with and yeah. how much software you know, or how many generators would, you know, can I get you into today? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Immediately help them build a wall against your organization. Yeah. It's the worst yeah. time, the worst. Yeah. And, and it, and it gets better over time, right? In other words, yeah. you know, do you wait three, you know, it's, it's like that classic, you know, the, the myth that's out there that says, you know, if you, I haven't dated in many, 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 many years, but <laughs> from what I hear, um, the, there is some rule that says if you go on a date, you're not supposed to text or email for at least 24 hours or 36 hours or whatever, because that shows you're desperate. Uh-huh. It, it's uh-huh. like that, right? I mean, it's like, uh-huh. it, it's, how long do you uh-huh. wait before you start selling? The answer is, yeah. what expectation did you set on the original date? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it and it depends on what the, did you ask for. Yeah, yeah, and and it depends on. I mean, I've I've seen nurture. Well, we've all received nurture programs, haven't we? Where um, the first email assumes that 
a level of interest that really wasn't there. <laughs> you know, you just downloaded this thing and, you know, don't feel too much about it. And then the emails then ramp up from there, assuming that they're nurturing something that really isn't there, right? And um, it, it's, it's just awful. Yeah, that's uh, and then, and then And then you get the email saying, uh, if you've been taken hostage, I'll pay the ransom. <laughs> something yeah. equally as, right. Right. <laughs> as funny. <laughs> and it's, oh, please don't do that. <laughs> exactly. So that's a good one then this week um, because, uh, and I believe we've touched on the topic before, that the, that the old gated community topic I think we should revisit every three or four weeks because I think it's a wonderful one and I know you get asked a lot about that. But also... It's it's a very popular one. It's the yeah, it's probably yeah. uh, you know the, the the biggest I guess uh, conflict between in B two B between sales and marketing and sales enablement yeah. is that is that yeah. issue. Yeah, yeah, and um, I'm about ready to put. Can you do me a favor on the next landing page I ever create? So I think that's that's fantastic. So thank you very much, Robert. And um, is this something you've written about? It is. Um, mm-hmm. It is something I've, I've talked a little bit about um, on uh, on the website and the blog, which is of course at the wonderful dad genes of internet addresses. Uh, <laughs> on yeah. We haven't done the dad genes thing for a while. The dot net is dad genes. I like that. Dad genes, <laughs> yes. And and we should totally own it. And where might people find you when they spin the dial on the interwebs? Uh, well, if they're dialing me up on Twitter, it's Robert underscore Rose and mm-hmm. LinkedIn is as LinkedIn any as it gets. Just do a search. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds splendid. And I'll, of course, include a link to all of that, all of your links in the show notes. So thank you very much, Robert. And will I see you in the virtual Rockstar CMO bar again? You Next always week. find me here. So I kind of live here. Now. <laughs> well, thanks very much, mate. And I'll see you next week. Cheers. Thank you, Robert. Oh, this conversation is so fun. So that's a wrap on episode 30 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. Thanks again to Eric for the conversation, to Robert for the drink, and to Joe Polizzi for his inspiration. But most of all, thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you liked my guests, please give them a mention, click their links, follow them, and take a look at their work. I really appreciate their time, so please show them some love. So does the world need another effing marketing podcast? Let me know. I'd love to know what you think. Drop us some feedback, a review, subscribe, share, or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, I again use this podcast as a blatant opportunity to chat to somebody interesting as I interview Rachel Essenhower, VP of Marketing at Sunday Sky. And hopefully, I'll again find my friend Robert in the bar. Until then, I've been your host, Ian Truscott, founding editor at rockstarcmo.com, and I hope you'll again join us next week here at Rockstar CMO FM.
You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.